Turn with me this morning, please, to Second uh, Corinthians nine. Second Corinthians nine. Like Phyllis was saying, uh, Friday nights we have all of the uh, children's classes, just like we do on Sunday. Now, the Friday night is not a, a duplicate service of Sunday. Those of you who have been with us, we actually, we're, we're reading the Bible together as a church. How many reading your, your chapters every week? Let me see. Oh, good, good. Good, good. That's really important. You're going to keep hearing me say that as the months go by. I, want, I very much would like to see you reading your chapter every day, Monday through Friday. If you haven't been doing that, you can join with us. We're on chapter uh, 4 now, Monday, of Galatians. Monday we'll read Galatians 4, and then Tuesday Galatians 5, and Wednesday Galatians 6, and then uh, Thursday it'll be uh, Ephesians. So uh, if you've gotten behind or if you just hadn't been with, you know, doing it with us, let me encourage you. It's very important. Uh, don't be like the fellow I talked to in the hospital one time. He was, I was encouraging to get in the Word. The Bible said God's Word's life to us and health to all of our flesh. Margin says medicine. And he said, the Bible, he said, I read that years ago. <laughs> well, that's like saying I ate mashed potatoes back in 69. <laughs> yeah, but you need to eat again. And the Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You, you know, the reason why people are so weak and just keep giving into the flesh, and the reason why people are not as aware of God and their faith is weak, and the list goes on, is simply not getting fed. You need to be fed. Your spirit has to be fed just like your body needs to be fed. And thank God for uh, good books and thank God for good tapes and services. But nothing will take the place of you sitting down with your Bible, giving it your full attention. It, do, it doesn't take that long to read a chapter, does it? And oh, what an investment it is into your life. Serious Christians read their Bible. In Second Corinthians 9, are you there? Second Corinthians, the ninth chapter. And he's talking about giving in the 8th chapter and in the ninth chapter. And in chapter 9, just the last verse, the 15th verse, says, Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. 2 Corinthians nine fifteen. Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. Another translation says, Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. Another one says, Thanks be unto God for His indescribable gift. Another translation says, Thank God for His Son, His gift too wonderful for words. <laughs> you know, we're in the Christmas season, obviously, and it's a time of... Uh, Holiday, it's a time of uh, giving gifts. And some people, you know, uh, speak about the materialism of Christmas and about how that, you know, it's uh, missing the point to buy gifts and, and spend money and buy gifts. And absolutely you can lose sight of the importance of what's going on. But 
Gift giving is an exact expression of the season. Amen. It's an exact representation because God so loved the world that He gave. And oh, what a gift He gave. Thanks be unto God for His gift too wonderful for words. His inexpressible, indescribable gift. You know, the reason He gave us Jesus is because we needed Him. We couldn't redeem ourselves. We couldn't cleanse ourselves from our own sins and mistakes. We couldn't fix ourselves. And He gave the greatest gift of all. The Bible says we're not redeemed with silver and gold, corruptible things. But we've been redeemed by the precious. Everybody say precious. Precious blood of the Lamb. Amen. Next time the enemy, through some kind of thoughts or feelings, try to tell you you're not worth much, then you ask him, how, much, how come God paid so much for you? Right? God's not dumb. He didn't pay a million dollars for a $5 item. But he paid the most valuable thing in all time and eternity, silver and gold. No amount of money can buy a soul. There's not enough money, there's not enough gold in the earth to buy a soul. There was only one thing valuable enough to buy us. It was Jesus' lifeblood, and He paid it. God gave Him, and He gave Himself, and we're bought. We're redeemed, and let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I got any redeemed people in here this morning? That's what Christmas is about. Amen? The gift. The gift. So, yeah, it's entirely appropriate that we uh, spend some time trying to find the right thing. and Spend some time wrapping it up. and Spend some time and money trying to get somewhere to, to, and then celebrate and give each other food and give each other our time and give each other our words and give each other gifts and money. Nothing wrong with that. It's entirely appropriate. God gave to us. He continues to give to us. He ever lives to make intercession for us. He just keeps on giving, doesn't He? Take a good breath. He just gave you that. He gave you your heartbeat, didn't He? The sun's shining. He gave us that today. The world's turning. You know? God didn't just create this thing and give it a spin and go away. Huh? No. If He, if he stopped giving for a moment, I guess the world would stop turning. We'd all fly off the face of the planet, and that'd be the end of the deal. No, He is giving every millisecond. God is giving light and life and strength. He's giving us brightness of mind. He's giving us ability. Aren't you glad? Yes. Are you thankful? Yes. You ought to be thankful you had a good place to sleep last night. Yes. Amen. How many are going to eat today? Yes. Yeah, glory to God. You thankful for that? Yes. How many are thankful for a good place to come in here and praise God? Yes. Amen. Good comfortable chair. Yes. Heating and cooling that works. And Lights, we're not just thumping a tub in here. We got pianos and drums. 
If that's all we had, we'd thump it to the Lord. Amen. But, but aren't you thankful that we're a little above that? You didn't just, you didn't just ride your mule to church this morning. You came in a heated car. Amen. Are you thankful? But oh, we're thankful for the gift of Jesus. The gift of full salvation. And redemption of life, eternal life, not just existing forever, but living life as God has it forever. Boy, we have a future in front of us, don't you know? Oh, what a future. Aren't you glad you're going to heaven? Thank God. I want you to go with me to, uh, to the book of Galatians now, please, the sixth chapter. Galatians 6, I guess we'll get to this this week in this chapter. In Galatians 6 and 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, write articles about it. And go to Shoney's and talk about how anybody could be that stupid. (laughs) You know that's happening, don't you? No, that's people that are carnal. People that are spiritual, what will they do? They're interested in not just fixing the blame, but fixing the person. Not just fixing the blame, but fixing the problem. Restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Except for the grace of God, you'd be in the same fix therein. Verse 2, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I want you to hear that, that phrase carefully. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, bearing one another's burdens doesn't mean getting depressed with people. Doesn't mean getting down with people. What does it mean? Well, if so, you know, if I had a, uh, if I had a, you know, hundred pound sack on my shoulder here this morning, and I was trying to go up this incline to get out the building with it, and, and I said, Dave, come help me with this. Come help me bear this burden. Well, what would he do? He'd come put his shoulder up under it too. Is that right? It would immediately become lighter to me because he's taking part of it. And how many understand that if somebody else, you know, Mo and Rick and, and Rob and some of the rest of these guys came, well, it'd be almost like I didn't have anything. Right? You get enough people under it, it ain't a load anymore. It's not a burden anymore. It's an easy thing. And that's why it's supposed to be with the family of God. You know, when you're, when you're in the family of God, you're not supposed to be alone in any situation. you got God with you, and you got all the family that's in heaven, and you got the family on earth, and you got this particular flam- family that you see all the time. And when one of us hurts, all the rest of us ought to jump on that in prayer and faith. Amen? And, you know, just like your body, if your foot's hurt, then what will the rest of your body do? 
the rest of your body will, like if that left foot is hurt, well, the right foot and leg will take more of the weight of the body so you can get some of that off that hurt foot. Is that right? And, I mean, you, you're... you're top of your body will reach over and your hands will reach out and take that foot and begin to take care of it and wrap it up and tend to it and the rest of the body converges to help take care of a weak part and when you got enough people believing for something enough people with their faith and prayer on something then a big job becomes a small job I'm so thankful you know the cleaning you know Phyllis and I when we first got this place it was real funny, you know, because the, the owner said, well, how big's your congregation? And we said, well, right now, nobody. And But after we signed some papers on it, we came back. Our staff was still in Tulsa. But we came to the front, and she, she and I looked at each other and said, well, we got it now. What do we do? I mean, there's all these bathrooms on that side, and there's all these. I guess you can take one side, and I can start on the other. And maybe by the end of the month, we'd be through. And, you know, but when you, you know, one of our first volunteer meetings that uh, I think I was out of town somewhere in Phyllis uh, called, we had, uh, I, I think, 250 people just stay. And we're right here. And, you know, what was a big job is not a, not a big job. You know, you got enough people that's on it and taking care of it and, and, and putting their shoulder to it, then it's not a big job. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? He took care of what we needed, didn't he? He bore our sins. He carried our problems. He took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. He took the chastisement of our peace. He became poor, the Bible says, so that we through his poverty might be made rich. Did he care about us? Did He take our burden and He bore it? Well, then now we're born again. We are Christians, those like Him. Then how do we fulfill the law of the Christ? We also, like He bore others' burdens, we bear one another's burdens. Can you say amen? amen. Skip on down to the... Uh, uh, the eighth verse well let me read verse 7 be not deceived God's not mocked whatever a man sows that shall he also reap let me just stop right there if you sowed helping others what would happen with you will you reap others helping you see people have a wrong mentality they say, well I don't understand why nobody will help me and why nobody will support me and why nobody will be faithful to me don't ask questions like that ask this question am I being faithful Am I, have I been sowing faithfulness? Am I sowing friendship? Am I sowing support? When we first started uh, More Life Ministries uh, decades ago, the Lord dealt with us first off. He said, you, you're going to need partners in this ministry to do what I'm calling you to do. The first thing you do, it wasn't write a big appeal letter. The first thing you do is be a partner. Be a good partner to other ministries. And so we were doing some things, but we bumped it up. Some of it we doubled it. And we saw to it that we had it there every month. And we were faithful. If you want to be, if you want partners, you should be a good partner. Amen? That's true in a marriage, isn't it? Well, he's not a good husband to me. Well, he's not a good wife to me. You shouldn't be asking that question, what they're doing for you. What are you doing for them? Oh, I'm a wonderful husband. It doesn't really matter what you think. What does she say? <laughs> I'm a good wife. 
says you. What does he say? Boy, that went over like a lead balloon. Didn't it? <laughs> it's a fact. They're the ones that can tell. Moving right along. He said, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we'll reap if we faint not. As we have, therefore, opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. Should you be watching for opportunities? As we have opportunities, let us do what? Do good unto all men, especially unto them that are of the household of faith, especially our, our Christian family our brothers and sisters, but not just limited to our Christian family, to all men, to everybody. You can buy a sinner lunch, can't you? Somebody don't even believe in God. Can't you? You can give to your neighbor, no matter, maybe they think they're a different religion from you. But love gives. The chief expression of love is giving. That's why the giving of gifts in this season is so appropriate you know, the Lord said that to me some years ago, and I wondered about it when I first heard it. I thought, is that right? The, the chief, the major expression of love is giving. And while I'm thinking about that, he brought John 3.16 that we're singing about this morning to my heart with force. For God so loved the world that he didn't say that he yelled, I love you, or that he said, I have feelings for you. God so loved the world that he gave. So the greatest expression of love is giving. But the greatest gifts cannot be wrapped and put under a tree. Hmm? Now thank God for, for those that can be, and that's great and fine. But the greatest ones can't be wrapped and put under a tree. Friendship, loyalty, faithfulness, real love, somebody really believing in you. How many know that's a gift? Somebody that really, genuinely believes in you. Can you say Amen. I want you to go with me to the book of Luke, please. Luke. Uh, no, let's see. I'm moving too fast. Go to 1 John first. 1 John 3 and then Luke 10. 1 John 3, then we're going to Luke 10. Love gives. God is love. He gives. He gives all the time. He gave us Jesus. He ever lives to give to us and exists to give to us. We're children of God, so we are also by nature givers. 1 John 3 and verse 14. 1 John three fourteen says, We know that we have passed from death unto life. Why? Because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Now we know we've passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Here we can see or perceive the love of God because he laid down his life or he gave his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives, or give our lives, for the brethren. Is that just a good thought, or is that something we can live? Is that something we can be excited about? Hmm? i got to stir us up from where we are right now. Verse, 
Verse 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us. So people don't like that phrase, laying down your life. That sounds like that's going to mess with my schedule. It is. <laughs> that sounds like it may cost me some money. It will. <laughs> that sounds like it may require some involvement on me. It will. It will. Oh, but you'll never be happier than you will pouring out your life for other people. I said you will never be happier. Selfishness makes you miserable. Do you know that? The more you just spend your time on yourself, all your time on yourself, all your thought time, all your thinking, all your planning, the more you spend all your money on yourself, the more miserable you will be. Now, the flesh and the devil will tell you that's not true, that you make yourself happy by buying you everything you want. But listen, the true fulfillment comes in letting God use you to meet somebody else's need. It's truly, Jesus said it, and it's a fact, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's a blessing to receive, but it's a greater blessing to be a conduit, to be a channel used of God to meet somebody's needs. Can you say amen? amen? He said, we know we've passed from, life, from death to life because we love the brethren. We perceive the love of God because He laid down His life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Whoso has this world's good and sees his brother have need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? Whoever has this world's good and sees his brother have a need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? Well, the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts must be yielded to. Must be get, you, you got selfishness in your flesh. And all you got to do to be selfish is just wake up in the morning. <laughs> It'll be right there with you. But... If you're born again, the love of God's been shed abroad in your heart. And if you yield to it, you'll overcome selfishness. You'll push your own selfishness back and let the love of God govern you. That means you'll live to, not just live to get, you'll live to give. Amen. Amen. And as you practice it, you'll find satisfaction in giving. You'll find fulfillment in giving. You'll actually get addicted to giving. You will. I said you'll get addicted to giving. The Bible talks about individuals that had addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Saints at Corinth. He said they've addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. And I, we've done that for years in our life. If I go for very long and I haven't given something, I start having withdrawals. I go, something's wrong. i got to get my giving fix. I got to give something to somebody. And yeah, give money. Yes, give things. But that, those are not the most precious things. Giving somebody your time. We live in a society where everybody thinks they're too busy. And you need to, to strike from your confession and your daily talk about I'm busy, I'm busy. Don't, don't confess that all the time. I'm just so busy. We're just so busy. How y'all doing? Oh, we've been so busy. How about y'all? Yeah, just so busy. So busy, 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 busy. Hadn't got time to do what we want to do. Well, the Lord said this to me, because I, I made the mistake years ago of telling him I was busy. 
So I'm going to tell you what he told me. He dealt with me about doing a particular thing. And I really, I had a lot going on. It was a fact. And I thought, Lord, I'm so busy. I just, how am I going to do that? And he said, son, if you're too busy to do what I need you to do, you are wasting time. I thought, wasting time? And he was right, of course. What happens is people add all this stuff to their life that he didn't tell them to do. They got all these projects and all these things and all these involvements going on, and they're not, you know, it's eating up time that they should be using to do the things he told them to do or just resting. Hmm? No, we'll have, all of us have the same amount of time. Right? There's none of us have less time than somebody else. Every day when you get up, we all got exactly the same amount of time in the day. Some people are just better stewards with their time than others. Some people just waste huge amounts of time, and then they have to rush, 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 rush to try to do what they need to do. Not because they're busier than everybody else, because they're not good stewards of their time. They're wasting time. Hmm? Like sitting in front of the TV for six hours. Huh? When if you'd have prayed in tongues for three hours and took a three-hour nap, you'd be ready to go. <laughs> Somebody say amen or oh me or something. <laughs> Keep reading. Whoever has this world's good and sees his brother have need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? First of all, whoever has this world's good. There are even so-called gospel songs written that contain verses and phrases about, I don't want any of this world's good. Huh? That is unscriptural. That is unbiblical. If you don't have this world good, then you don't have to minister to your brother when you see him or your sister in need. Right? How many want this world's goods? Absolutely. I want this world's goods. I want money. I want a lot of money. I want too much money. Why? I want to be able to minister to people. Amen. I know all, I've got, I got friends all over the world with projects, reaching people with the gospel. Wonderful things that God's given them to do. They're on ready to go. They just need a couple million or ten or twenty-five. Some of them just need a hundred thousand to start in something. Some of them just need a couple of thousand to take the first step. Well, it's not just me, but you cannot do it if you don't have it. Right? And if it's taking all my faith and every dime I've got just to pay my utilities, just to run this church, then how can we reach out? Hmm? You understand that's one reason I've got my faith so much on knocking this thing out. Paying this thing off and doing what we need to do because we are going to reach out. I said we're going to reach out. But we're not just going to do it as an organization. We're going to do it as individuals. Amen. We're going to do it as families. It blesses me so much when people come and tell me that you blessed them when they came to a service. I don't know at the times we've had people come and say, man, people just kept shaking my hand and there was money in there. 
money in their hand. They took me out and they bought me tickets to the show. They bought me tickets to Silver Dollar. They, they, they fed us. They paid for our hotel room. That is music to my ears. Oh, that makes me so happy. Does it make you happy? That's all my... I, I won't have to talk in tongues here. Uh, I so want that to be the flow in this family. Amen? People that are sensitive enough to the Holy Ghost that He can tap them on the shoulder and go, you need to take them to lunch. You need to talk to them. You need to call them on the phone. They need some help with the payment this month. These guys need some help over here. These people need some help. And you have the time and you have the money and you have the heart and you're not selfish and you'll do it. I said, you, you'll do it. Amen. Yeah, we need to do things as a church, but you need to do things as an individual. Your family needs to do things, and you are doing some of these things. And I'm saying thank you, thank you, thank you. Some of our guest ministers that we've had in here, and some of our friends, you just loved them. You came around them and hugged them and put money in their pocket and, and blessed them. And some of them came away with tears saying, you know, we've been in the ministry for 30 years, 40 years. Nobody's ever treated us like this. Well, the world is a very cold and selfish place, isn't it? Everybody wants something. They want to get, they want you to do something, give them something. But we are givers. Come on, tell me out loud. We are givers. This whole church is a giving church. You know it. At least 10% of everything you put in the offering goes to some other church, goes to some other ministry. We're going to go way on out beyond that. We're going to be able to underwrite some things. Amen. We're going to be able to send money and teams and help start a church. Did you hear me? Somewhere else. Anybody happy about that beside me? Well, it takes money to do that. And if you got your stuff paid for and you got a bunch of money in the bank, then you got time. Huh? And you can write big checks. And if all our stuff here at Faith Life is paid for and we got millions in the bank, we can write big checks. We can underwrite things. Hallelujah. We're givers. And the Lord, we, you have to have this world's good. But he that has this world's good, and he sees his brother have a need, and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him. Now notice, he, he has this world's good. He's got the money. He's got some stuff. And he sees his brother have a need. You know, it's not by accident when we find out about things, is it? There's so much we don't know about and we don't hear about and we're not going to know about. But the Lord will let you be at the right place at the right time to find out. Somebody's going through something. Somebody needs something. And any time that you find out about something, that you know about something, realize that there's a reason why you know this today. Huh? You're aware of it. You see it. And when you see it and you've got the ability to do something about it, you need to be checking your heart. Don't just do things blindly or haphazardly or hastily or foolishly. But when you know about something and you've got the ability to do something about it, you should be checking your heart. Right? Lord, why do I know about this today? Am I to do something about this? Am I to help in part? Am I to do part of it? All of it? Am I to join my faith in prayer? Am I to give some money? What am I to do? You can be open or, did you hear what he said? He what? Shuts up or closes. 
his bowels or his insides. So you can open up your insides and check your heart and be willing for God to use you to meet somebody's need, or you can close up yourself. We live in a world with a lot of closed hearts, don't we? A lot of closed up and narrow, shut up insides. Now go to Luke 10 and you see a, a, a perfect picture of this that Jesus portrayed in telling a story to a man who questioned him about this. Luke the 10th chapter. Luke chapter 10. A man came to Jesus and he was questioning him. He was a lawyer. Now, that meant he was a lawyer of the Word in those days. He's a scriptorian. He's, he's a man that's got letters of education where religion is. Maybe we call him like a doctor of, uh, of religion or literature today. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him and said, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? This is Luke 10, 25. Jesus said, What is written in the law? How readest thou? How do you read it? Now, it's interesting. Jesus asked him that question because he knew already that he was trying to twist some Scripture. It's there, but how do you read it? How many know some people read it funny? It's there, but boy, the time they get through with it, you, you say, boy, did you read the same thing I read? And he answering said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. You'll do what? You'll love God this way and you'll love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've answered right, this do and you shall live. But he, willing to justify himself, said to Jesus, And now who exactly is my neighbor? Well, why did he ask that question? Huh? Because he, he doesn't want to minister to any more people than he has to. He's missed the whole deal, hasn't he? It's not seeing how little I can get by with doing. When your heart's full of the love of God, you wish you could meet everybody's needs. Don't you? I tell you what, I hate poverty. I don't mean I dislike it. I hate it. Oh, it bothers me. When I see little kids that's not properly clothed and they're not fed, I see people living in shacks and squalor, it bothers me. Because it doesn't have to be that way. I don't care if they have no education. I don't care what their background is. It doesn't have to be that way. I don't care what the economy is. I don't care how bad, what kind of mistakes they've made. I don't care if they've been involved in crime or if they've really blown and messed up their life. I don't care. God can still take your life, straighten it up, and bless you. Amen. And give you some prosperity. Man, I wish everybody had a good place to live. A good vehicle to drive and good clothes to wear and good food to eat. Don't you? I hate poverty. Ain't nothing good you can say about poverty. Anything you ever learned being poor, you could have learned more comfortably being prosperous. I don't know about that, but listen, I grew up poor, okay? You can't tell me that. I grew up poor. And there's nothing I learned being broke that I couldn't have learned more comfortably in a nice house 
Amen? With extra. No. Poverty is not of God. Lack and need and want is not of God. He said, them that fear the Lord will not want any good thing. They'll not lack. Amen. Is He able to meet all your needs? And overflow in abundance beside. Anybody in here hate poverty? Beside me? I hate poverty. And somebody said, hate? Yeah, hate. The Bible says you should hate your enemies. We know flesh and blood is not our enemy. We don't hate flesh and blood. But I hate the devil. I hate sin. I hate poverty. I hate sickness. You don't need to be mealy about it. These things kill people. The people die in poverty. Not enough food to sustain their body. People die with sickness and disease. These things are our enemies. We're not to sit passively by and say, Well, whatever the will of the Lord is. He's told us what His will is. His will is health and soundness and strength and peace and prosperity. He became poor so that we might be made rich. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And one of the greatest benefits of real prosperity is having the means and ability to love people with materially. Amen. Having the ability to meet people's needs. Help get people out of a jam. Help take a burden and a problem off of somebody. Have you ever seen somebody's face that were just pacing the floor and pulling their hair and they didn't know how they're going to get out of this jam and the Lord sent you over to them and wrote them a check and put, them in, put it in their hands and you saw the fear leave their face and the worry leave the, just like somebody lifted off a burden and they went, oh, glory to God. Whoo, that's done. That's paid for. Have you ever seen that? Do you want to see it? First of all, you've got to have the ability. Amen. But before that, you've got to have the heart. I said, you've got to have the heart. He said, who is my neighbor? Now, if you look up the word neighbor, it literally means nearby. Close, nigh. The word, the word nigh, neighbor is nigh, bore. You know, in the Bible talks about nigh, this thing being nigh this or nigh that. It's near. Who is your neighbor? Whoever you're near at the time. Huh? If we believe the Lord orders our steps and directs our paths, then we realize that when we wind up beside somebody and find out a need they have, we never met them, this is our neighbor today. Hmm? Because there are millions we'll never see on the other side of the world in different places. But this man, this woman, this young person is near us today. So they're our neighbor. And we're to love them. That means we care about them. We care whether they're hungry or not. We care whether, what's happening to them. And Jesus answered his question with this story. Jesus said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he did what? He just drove on by. Right? Here's a man laying in the road, bleeding, hurt, injured, half dead. Apparently not able to get up and, and, and get out of the road. And here comes the priest. Well, the priest was the preacher of the day. 
He's a preacher. He, he's the one supposed to know the Bible, the priest. And he sees this, and he just drives it on by. Here comes a Levite. Well, a Levite was the helps minister of the day. It would be like a deacon or an usher or a parking lot worker or children's worker or singer or player, somebody that helps in the work of the ministry. And when he came, when he was at that place, he came and he looked at him and he passed by on the other side. What did he do? Kept going. But a certain Samaritan who was not of the same background, this would be like a person of a different race or a different culture. He stopped when he saw him. He stopped and he got out and he had compassion on him. Now you suppose this Samaritan had somewhere to go? He had money, so he must have been successful to some degree. So you know he had a schedule. You know he had something going on. He probably had some business. But he stopped. Everybody say he stopped. He stopped. And he, he, he did what? Had compassion on him. Did you hear the difference here? Now he said in, in 1 John, if, he, if you have this world's good and you see your brother have need and you don't do anything, you shut up. But this man had compassion he opened up. He saw him. It touched his heart. And he didn't close his heart and drive on real fast and try to forget about it. He pulled over and stopped. And he said, well, forget about that meeting. Forget about that sale. Forget about that appointment. Huh? People say, yeah, but I got family I'm trying to get to. These, these are ministers. These are preachers. And deacons and helps ministers, I, that preacher is probably somewhere to minister to people. He's on his way to minister to people. And drove right by people. How many know you don't have to go to church to minister to people? You don't have to get to the church to do something for somebody. You don't have to wait till it's offering time to give. He's, he stopped. Now let's just, before I read the rest of this, why did these guys not stop? Hmm? Now, see, people try to act like, well, it's a different world today, Brother Keith, than it was then. Not really. No, no. I mean, technology's the same. These guys were busy. They had somewhere to go. They weren't riding in their car, but they had the donkey in high gear. <laughs> right? Somebody said, yeah, but it's dangerous to, to stop and help people today. How'd you think this guy got in his shape? Huh? Some some mean people, some ungodly people robbed him and took his money and hurt him. Didn't care whether he lived or died. That's never changed. People talk about, well, it's such a different world today. Well, in some ways that don't really matter, it is. But in the things that really matter, it's the same. Human nature's the same. The devil's the same. God, thank God, is the same. Why, did, why didn't they stop? Hmm? What do you think? What What do you think went on in their mind? What happened so that they shut up their their bowels of compassion? They shut up their insides. They hardened themselves. They they, they looked at this guy, bloods all over the road, and they what they think? 
What did the preacher think? I don't want to get involved. Huh? That's none of my business. Right? Boy, you, you know, you stop and you do this. Next thing you know, the police is here. And we'll have to fill out reports. They may want me to testify. And who knows? I mean, right? So hit the gas. I got too many things to do. I'm too busy. The, the church board's waiting on me to get to the office. I got to go take care of this. Listen, it's about people. This is a people. They don't have to be belong to your church. They, they don't have to be your color. They don't have to be your gender. Right? They don't have to speak your language. Right? People. God cares about people. Why, why do they keep driving? People look at individuals in a, in a bad way like that and they say, well, you know, it's probably their own fault. Hmm? They're probably a criminal themselves. Who knows? They probably, they probably got what's coming to them. Well, what if they did? I said, what if they did? God's merciful, isn't He? He's gracious. He's kind. Even though, even though you, you did it and you caused yourself your own problems, God is merciful. He'll forgive you. But He needs people to touch through. He needs hands. People say, well, you know, it's probably too late. Look at him. He's probably already dead. Right? Ain't no need stopping. I'll just get caught up in all that paperwork and all that stuff. I probably can't help him anyway. I probably can't do any good anyway. Don't you know he was glad that the Samaritan didn't think this way? He's laying there in his own blood, gasping. And here comes a man. This is not his people. This man's a different color from him. This man's a different background from him. In fact, the Jews, many of the Jews despised the Samaritans. They looked down on them as inferiors. Wouldn't, uh, tradition tells us they wouldn't drink from the same glasses. And there might have been some people of this man's family that had treated this man's family bad. But he pulls over. Everybody say he pulled over. He pulled over. And he stopped. Look what he did. He pulled over and he got the guy. He went to him and he bound up his wounds and he poured in oil and wine. This takes time, doesn't it? This messes up your schedule. Your dinner's going to get cold. Right? He poured in the oil and the wine and he set him on his own beast and he brought him to an inn and he took care of him. Isn't that something? took him to a place, bought and paid for his care. And on the morrow when he, he, he left, he took out two pence, which was about two days' wages, and gave them to the host for some extra money. And he said, now you take care of him. And whatever you spend more, when I come again, I'll pay you. <laughs> this is Christianity. And this requires prosperity. How are you going to pick up somebody's hospital bill? Huh? People think, dear God, that's too much money. That's why we got to quit thinking the way we've been thinking. Hmm? 
We, we've got to believe God and elevate our vision like, like we talked about some time ago so that we have a store of time and a store of money. And God could put His hand on us anytime and anywhere. Go over here and help them. Go over here and take care of this. Amen. And you'll find out about some things. You'll be in some situations. Now, I'm not telling you to stop for everybody that you see on the road. You need to be led. There are times that the, you'll see a situation. It looks like somebody needs help. And the Lord will deal with you. Don't stop. But don't just not stop because we live in a dangerous world. The Samaritan did too. No. Be willing and be ready to stop and render help and render aid and not just on the side of the road, but just in life. Take time. Everybody said out loud, I'm not too busy to help other people. And I will have this world's good that I can bless people with. Is it happening? Is it working for us? This extra that's coming in is not going to stop just over the Christmas season. Huh? I'm not just telling you something for Christmas season. We're going to believe for extra on into the new year. Extra. Amen. Every month so that when we get through everything that needs to be done, even giving and paying, and we'll have extra. Everybody say extra. It's happening. Glory to God. Now, uh, Go to 2 Corinthians 8, and I'm, I'm getting ready to close here. 2 Corinthians 8. There are blessings that come on your life from helping people that are in need. Let me just read a few of them to you uh, while you're turning to the place there. The Scripture says in Proverbs, He that honors the Lord has mercy on the poor. The Bible says, uh, uh, the bountiful, He that has a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. The Scripture says, He that gives to the poor shall not lack. But he that hides his eyes shall have many a curse. When we hear about something, we know about something, don't close up your heart. Open your heart and say, Lord, what you want me to do? Am I to help on this? How much am I to help? And to be led. Now, one way you can tell something, people that are in faith will not pull on you. And if people act like, you know, you're supposed to give to them, well, you ought to be giving to me. You can't be gracious to people who feel they deserve it. I want to say that again slowly. You can't be gracious to people who feel they deserve it. People get into this thing about because they're in a bad way that if you have something extra that you owe it to them to give them something because you have more than they do. Absolutely not true. No. You don't owe anything to anybody because they have less than you. Did you hear me? I said, well, you know, the, the life's been good to me, so I owe something to give back. No, uh-uh. That's, that's not even scriptural. It's not right thinking. If God's blessed you, you shouldn't feel bad to enjoy something that somebody else does not have. 
And if somebody acts like, hey, you got a lot, you are to give me something, they're looking to you. Their eyes are on you. They're not in faith. They're not looking to God. And you can actually miss God. You can waste seed. Did you hear me? Don't let, including family now, including brothers and sisters and parents and, uh, and children. Don't let people pull on you and go, well, you know, I'm, I'm your son. I'm your brother. You know, you, you got extra. You're doing so good. You're supposed to help me out. Says who? No. They're supposed to believe God, and you're supposed to obey God. And you're supposed to be led with family just like you are with anybody else. I know we're covering a lot of ground, but are you awake this morning? Are you okay? Yeah. There's been people that came to me and acted like, well, you're supposed to do this for me, and I didn't. There's been people I've put in the road. I've put in the street. And there's been other people, total strangers, I've taken home and given them my last $20. What should you do? You should be led by the Spirit. But your heart should be open. You, you could give every penny you've got and not touch the world's needs. There'd still be more need than you could ever touch. Right? You could starve yourself to death from lack, giving everything away you got, and still there'd be lack, need all over the world. You are not the need meter. You are not the provider. God hasn't called you to meet everybody's needs. But you are to be used to help somebody. Amen? You are to be a vessel that God can flow through to help somebody. And you are to be helping somebody all along in life, meeting needs, helping people. Now, when it comes to, to meeting people's needs, this is the kind of giving that the Lord says you're not to let your left hand know what your right hand does. You're to be very conscientious about people being embarrassed. If they have a need and if they're coming up short in an area, and when we say needy, I mean you could be a multimillionaire and be short on cash this month, right? I mean need is a relative thing. And there's none of us that's never been in a place where we didn't need something. And so all of us need to be givers and all of us need to be receivers, don't be so haughty and proud cause, that you won't receive from people. When God's dealing with somebody to give you something, don't you go, well, well no, no, I don't want any charity. I don't want to, you know, all I've got is my pride. You're in worse shape than you thought you were. <laughs> now, self-respect is okay. And believers never have to be beggars. Never. But at the same time, to be too proud to let somebody minister to you is to be too proud to let God minister to you because He's going to minister to you through people like us. Amen. And sometimes you have to humble yourself because it might not have been the person you'd have picked. You know, sometimes God will even use people you don't even like very much. And then you know why He picked them, don't you? Because He wants you to love them. He wants them to love you. Amen? And we all need each other. 2 Corinthians 8, are you there? 2 Corinthians and the 8th chapter. We are a giving church. You know this, we've told you this. There's a lot of things we've done and are doing that you don't know about the details. 
And if people are hurting and in need, and it's something that you can't do anything about, you need to let us know. But that's not my first preference. My first preference is that you be so blessed, you can do something about it. Amen. And we can do what the Lord leads us to do, but that you're taking care of things all along. You don't even have to let anybody know about it. And you can, you can be kind to people in that nobody else ever needs to know that they were needing it. Right? You can just fix it. You can just go by and pay for it. You can leave some money stuck in their steering wheel or in their coat pocket or in their Bible. or some, I mean, some things you need to be very discreet about. There's no need in anybody else knowing about what's going on. This kind of giving in particular. The, the Scripture cautions us about shaming them that have not. And all of us at different times in our life have come short on something. And this, it, when you have surplus, your surplus will meet their need, and there will be time to come when other people have surplus, God will use to meet your need. In 2 Corinthians 8, I think this is my closing verse. 2 Corinthians 8. In 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 8, he says, I speak not by commandment, but by the occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. He's talking about giving. He told them to prove their love, their sincerity. Verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that you through His poverty might be rich. Herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward or willing a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it. How many know there's a time when you quit talking about something and you do it? That as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. For if there, first, if there be first a willing mind, it's accepted according to that a man has, not according to that he has not. For I mean not that other men be eased and you burdened, but by an equality. Let's just stop right there. Does he mean that you give away everything you have and you not have anything ever? He just got through saying, no, I don't want that. That everybody else is eased but you and you're burdened. But no. Verse 14. But by an equality. That now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want. That their abundance also may be a supply for your want. That there may be equality. Hallelujah. How many believe that God can use us to meet others' needs? Is it happening in your life? Somebody said, yeah, but I'm just a teenager. It's amazing how much money God can get to a teenager. Huh? Yeah, but I'm older and retired. I'm on a fixed income. Don't use that phrase again. Who fixed it? You did with your mouth. God can bring money to you from untold channels. Amen? Do, do you believe that God is love? That He has a heart for people. He wants people to be fed. He wants people to be clothed. He wants needs to be met. How's He going to do it? He's the head. We're the body. Does He want to get resources to you and tap you on the shoulder and use you to meet people's needs? 
Does, is that his heart? Is that his desire? How many would stand up and say, I'm here, Lord, use me. I'm available. Go ahead, stand up. How many would say, I'm available. Use me. Hallelujah. If that's you, go ahead, stand up and lift up your hand again and say, Lord, here I am. I'll be a vessel. I'll be a channel. Pour out your love, your compassion, your mercy, your goodness through me. Load me with benefits, with this world's goods, abundance of money and finances, things, resources. And I will not close up my heart. I will not be selfish. I'll not be stingy. I will open my heart. I will open my heart and my life and let you bless through me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you in advance for using you to meet needs, using you to bless people and help people. Oh, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Praise God. You can be seated. I'm telling you, if you don't know it, it's a fact. Please believe you've never been happier than when you're meeting other people's needs. You've never been more satisfied. You've never been more fulfilled than when God is using you to help take care of others. Praise God. Say it one more time. I live to give. I live to give. When you wake up in the morning, it'll help you if you just say that. Some of the first words out of your mouth, I live to give today. I'm going to bless somebody. God's going to put in my hand and in my heart. He's going to give me words. He's going to give me strength. He's going to give me resources. God's going to use me to help somebody today. Amen? And just saying that and believing that and making yourself available, watch what God will do for you. I'm telling you, He'll pile you up with money and stuff and resources. But the moment you close up your heart and you start just passing by and you start getting selfish, that's when you cut off the faucet. That's when it's going to stop and it's going to be stagnant and it's going to stop. Would you close your eyes for just a minute? Father, we thank you that you've given us the greatest gift of all. Nothing's too hard for you. Nothing's too difficult for you. You are the meter of all our needs. You are our source, our abundant supply, our good shepherd because of you we do not want. Lord, I pray for every person in this room today and for any and every man and woman and young person that does not know you. Any and every individual that's not been born again, I ask you to deal with them powerfully right now right where they are in their seat. Help them to see that they're not okay. Help them to realize that trying to be a good person won't save you. Even being born and reared in a Christian home won't save you. Even going to a church, even shaking a preacher's hand, even being baptized in water won't of itself save you. Jesus said you must be born again. And if you've been born again, you know you have. Lord, anyone that has not, I ask you to deal with them powerfully and draw them to yourself right now. And for any and every person that has been born again, and they walked with you for a time, but for whatever reasons, they've left you. I don't mean they made a mistake in repenting. They just have gone back into an ungodly way of life, running with people, 
that don't serve you, going to places and doing things they got no business doing. They're far from you. They're cold. They're what we call backslidden and out of fellowship. Help them to see how far off they are. But help them to realize you love them still. If they'll come back home, you'll forgive them. You'll cleanse them. It can be better than it ever was if they just come home. But they must come back. Draw them, I ask, in Jesus' name. With eyes closed, please, nobody looking around. If I'm praying for you today and you need to receive the greatest gift of all, would you lift your hand and say, Brother Keith, pray for me? I, I can't say I know that I know I'm saved. I can't say I know if I died today I'd go to be with Jesus. Pray for me. You can leave this place knowing and sure today. If that's you, lift up your hand. Or maybe you say, Brother Keith, I hadn't wanted to admit it, but I'm that backslider you, you were praying about. I haven't been living right at all. I'm cold. I need to get back to God. If that's you, put up your hand. Yes. Yes. Others that need to join these say, pray for me, Brother Keith. Listen, friend, this is so serious. Uh, This is more important than anything else this Christmas, that you get right with God and that you know that you know that you are and you got peace in your heart and mind and you know your sins are washed away and you're clean and ready to meet Him if He came tomorrow. Anybody else that needs to join these, lift up your hand if you would and say, Brother Keith, pray for me too. Include me in that prayer. All right, here's another thing you might say, Brother Keith, I'm a Christian, but I've never been filled with the Spirit. I haven't been filled with His power. I haven't spoken with tongues like I hear of other people doing. This belongs to every believer. Every Christian has a right and should be filled to overflowing with the same Spirit you're born of. If you say, Brother Keith, I want this. I want to be filled with the Spirit too. Lift up your hand. We'll pray for you. You can be filled to overflowing today. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Real simple. If you're a Christian, you haven't had this experience, your hand ought to be up. We all need this fullness of power. Thank you. Others that need to join these. As I look carefully again, you say, Brother Keith, I need to give my life to the Lord, or I need to come back home to the Lord, or I need to be filled with the Spirit. If you haven't done so already, put your hand up too and join these others that have. And say, yes, Brother Keith, I want to be filled. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. All right. I'm going to pray like I said, but listen carefully. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me and my words before men, I'll be ashamed of you before the Father. Paul said, if we deny him, he'll deny us. Strong words. But he also said, if you'll confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father and his angels. So it it does make a huge difference whether you're embarrassed and ashamed of Jesus and want to be a closet Christian. That's not okay. You've got to be willing to stand up at home, at school, on the job, and don't care who sees or knows that you're a Christian, that you love the Lord. He said, you claim me in front of people, I will claim and confess you in front of the Father. So because of that, I want you, if you lifted your hand, on any invitation, or you should have lifted your hand, I want you to be bold and unashamed, and right now, stand up where you are. Stand up by your seat, please. If you lifted your hand, thank you. Yes, thank you. Everybody that lifted their hand, or you should have, if God's dealing with you, and you're not sure about your salvation, you can be sure. If you lifted your hand, or you should have, please, right now, up on your feet. We're going to pray for you. God's going to hear us. You're going to be changed. This is the greatest present of all. There's no Christmas like a saved Christmas. Oh, hallelujah. Like a clean Christmas. 
knowing that you, knowing if you breathe your last breath right now, life is short, friend. There's no guarantees about tomorrow in this world. But oh, when you're saved, you know, if you die, you got nothing to fear. You just go straight to be with Jesus, which is far better, the Bible said, than being here. Anybody who lifted your hand or you should have and needs to join these, would you please stand up right now on your feet? Let us pray for you. All right, those of you standing, would you open your eyes and look at me? I'm so glad you're not ashamed of the Lord. Those of you standing, would you be bolder yet? Step out to the aisle. Come right here. Meet me, please, face to face. Let me pray for you personally. Would you come? Oh, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. So glad you've come. So glad you've come. Come right on. Oh, thank you, Lord. Praise God. So glad you've come. Come right on. To give your heart to the Lord. To come back home to Jesus. To get filled with the Spirit. There'll not be a better time than right now. Come right on. Nobody's going to embarrass you. We love you. We just want you to be satisfied. We want you to be saved. We want you to be free. Every one of us that have received, we had to respond somewhere, sometime. Many of us just like this. Anybody else that needs to come, come right now. If you're not sure, make sure. Get sure. Praise the Lord. Reach your hands out toward these dear ones. And let's pray. Those of you that are here, just close your eyes. Focus on the Lord. The more you believe in Him, the more real He'll be to you right now. And just expect Him to do what I'm asking Him to do for you in this prayer. Father God, I thank you for these precious, precious dear ones. How you love them. They're more important to you than anything else in all creation and time and eternity. You knew that they would say yes before they were ever born. You knew they'd come to you or come back to you or want your fullness. And you've watched them and spared them, kept them to this present moment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You said those that come to you like this and are drawn to you like this, no way would you refuse them, no way would you reject them or turn them away or turn them aside. But because they come believing and loving you, they are accepted in the Beloved. You said if we'd believe on you and confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, we'd be saved. You said if we'd confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us and wash us. And so we act on it right now. Say this out loud because you believe it from the depth of your being. Say it not to men, but to God in the congregation. Say it and reaffirm your faith. Say it out loud. Father God, I believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus, that he died on the cross, paid the full price for all my sins, all my mistakes, every failure. I believe you've raised him from the dead. He's alive right now. King of kings. Lord of lords. Soon to come again. Jesus, you are my Lord. My Savior. Thank you for loving me. Accepting me. Washing me. Making me free and clean. Hallelujah. Put up your hands and thank Him for doing it. Thank Him by faith. Believe that He heard that. Your faith makes you whole. Thank Him, Lord. Thank You, Lord, for washing us, cleansing us, making us whole, making us free in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Thank You, Lord. Praise God. Look at me if you would. That's done. Never let anybody 
including your own memories or anybody that knows you, make you feel bad or guilty or ashamed about anything that you've ever said or done before today. Because according to the Word, it's gone, washed away. You stand here as clean as though you never made a mistake. That's why Jesus paid such a price. If you make a mistake tomorrow, just hit your knees and admit it and ask God to forgive you. He will. You'll stand up just clean like you are right now. Now, this is not all. Some of you came to be filled with the Spirit. All of you need to be filled, overflowing, full of power, talking in tongues, just as wild and ready as the rest of us. And you will be. This is so important, I don't want it rushed. I got a place of ministry. I want you to go just a few steps from here. I got people trained to touch base with you, even some free things we want to give you that explain what's happening, and you can use this to help other people receive what you've received. Would you turn to your right? Everybody turn. Turn to your right. See Brother Dave here? Follow him to that place of ministry to get the rest of what you've come for. Everybody thank God for him and praise God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Are you glad these guys came today? Oh, I'm so glad. You know, if just one of them came today, it'd be worth everything that went in to having a service. Amen. But that's not all. God is doing great and good things in our lives. He is a giver and He lives in us. And He gives through us. I want you to stand up on your feet and say it out loud again. Phyllis, would you come up, come up here with me? Say it out loud. My father, My father is, a giver, is a giver. And I'm a giver. I live to give. I breathe to give. I think to give. I live to give. Hallelujah. And say this too. And I will have plenty to give. <laughs> Glory to God. Let me say thank you again for everything that everybody has given. You've given your time. You've given your skill. You've given your resources. And you're giving to each other. That blesses me so much, you know. If you know, if you don't have anything, uh, if you have to choose between giving to us and giving to somebody that you see in need, you give to them. And you do what God tells you to do. It won't be long till you can give to everybody. Amen. But you are a blessing going somewhere to happen. Amen. And uh, we have just heard all kind of reports. You've heard some of the testimonies. Phyllis is reading them. But, I mean, it's just it's flowing all through the congregation. I wish we could take the time and tell you about every detail of what's happening. But people are getting things paid off. They're getting bills paid. They're getting washers. They're getting suits and dresses and jewelry and, and clothes. It's flowing. And if it can flow through you, it'll flow to you. Praise God. 